Hello everybody and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, and I'm not joined by my co-host Taylor Wells this week, but we have something very special for you. We have a Champions Cast cross Hyrule Compendium crossover for you this week. I'm joined by the legends themselves, Gooey Fame, Masa Segopian. How are you guys? It's the dream team. The Compendium is taking over the podcast. This is unbelievable, the amount of talent at, at one time, in one space, right here. We're invading. <laughs> so, we got a good show for you guys this week. Uh, we're, we're kicking it old school. It is all about the original Legend of Zelda for NES. Uh, I recently just played this game for the first time in probably a good... Man, it's got to be like 15 years... And I, I wanted to talk about it and uh, also get your guys' take on it. Because I know that you guys, A, have, you know, you're a little bit more familiar with this game. Uh, Moss even wrote the the guide for it, which I use extensively, available on ZeldaDungeon.net. Um, and I know that you guys have some uh, cool tidbits of your own. So what do you guys say? You just want to jump right into it? Well, I've been playing the heck out of the game myself for the last <laughs> two months or so. Because I finally got into, like, the speedrunning aspect of it. So I've been learning. Uh, I've been learning some routes through the game, and and uh, it's it's giving me an even better understanding of some of the mechanics. But I've definitely been revisiting it a lot in the last two months or so. Yeah, I w- I was similarly preparing for the marathon that just passed. I played it and I was practicing it, you know, over and over, which was a completely different experience from the last time I had gone through the game and it also gave me a totally different perspective on the game uh who actually ended up playing legends all at the marathon this year do you guys remember oh I, no i did and uh trevor oh you and trevor yeah so you were you were trying to get through it as fast as you can that that to me is just mind-boggling because i i actually i started a first file and I wandered around for about 10 minutes and I was like, oh my God, I am so, so lost. And I was so lost that I actually deleted that file and then started a new one expressly using a guide. So that was like, that was like the very first thought that I had when playing this game is like, I don't know how people played it without using a walkthrough because it's hard. Did you, did you encounter any of the initial dungeons or anything? Um, I did. I went to dungeon three. I got there first, and I, I just kind of stumbled upon it, and I quickly realized that, you know, I I have no hearts. I have uh, the, the starter sword. I'm not ready for this. The red, and... You encounter some red dark nuts in, like, I think the third room of that dungeon. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. So, uh, yeah, at, at that point, I was like, no, I, I want to restart it, and I want to... To use a guide, you know, kind of as lame as that sounds, because I'm one of those guys that, like, I don't like using guides, because I feel like it, it takes away from my, I don't know, my game but manhood or something like so that. This game is so cryptic, though. So it is so it's kind cryptic, of understandable, yeah. yeah. Well, I actually think the early portions of this game, it's you can use a guide, and you can get so much in terms of weaponry and upgrades before you even step foot into the first dungeon to the point where you are so ridiculously overpowered compared to some of the enemies. And it makes actually the first third of the game uh, 
I think. I, I agree. Or it, it makes it kind um, of easy, actually. I, I would agree with that. Like the first boss, I think I took him out in two hits because I had the upgraded sword. I had uh, the upgraded tunic. I had more hearts. It, it really did feel like the first couple dungeons were a cakewalk. But I was also like when I played it, I didn't remember having to collect so much before I was ready to go again. So when I'm looking at this guy and I'm, and I'm like, okay, a few things to get me started. I'll go to the first dungeon and get myself reacquainted. But that wasn't really how it shook out at all. You actually go and collect tons of different stuff, which stuck out to me. It's very, uh, it, it was, it's different from most other Zelda games where it kind of gives you that tutorial dungeon. When I had played it, uh, more similarly to how you did when this is back in like 2010, I also used the guide and, you know, even even then, at a couple dungeons in, like, I started to hit a wall of difficulty. Probably Dungeon 3, because you had some Dark Nuts and stuff, where even though I had, like, powered myself up a bit, just my, like, you know, I was kind of unfamiliar with the mechanics of the game or, you know, the feel of the game. So I was still, I was still dying a lot despite that going through with a guide it felt like such a daunting task whereas now it's like i can beat it in one sitting but that's after like banging my head against the wall enough times do you do you think for the first like almost two-thirds almost maybe three-quarters of the game is there anything really cryptic though in in the first quest the first you know the main the for for much of the game really for for that first like maybe the first three dungeons, I would say it, that part's not too cryptic. It's more of the, just like having the willpower to, cause you're going to keep taking damage. You're going to keep dying. You're going to have to keep backtracking. Mm-hmm. You know, you're maybe not going to be good at the combat. So that part is a little bit more of just, you know, dealing with old school game mechanics, you know, just kind of roughing it a bit. And then, you know, after that, that's when I think it really gets, more cryptic like i can totally understand andy how you would be like oh i I found the third dungeon i guess (laughs) it would be really hard with the wooden sword and three hearts to where it even if even though you found the dungeon it would feel cryptic in itself because it's just confusing that you found the third dungeon and we're so underpowered and i mean all that you walk in and you just feel like you're not supposed to be there, right? Like, like you're, you've accidentally stumbled upon <laughs> this place where you're not ready to go. And so, yeah. like, when I was collecting everything, I, I kind of noticed, and this will be a running theme, I think, for me when I'm talking about the original Legend of Zelda, is how it was comparable to Breath of the Wild and that um, the difficulty kind of scaled a little bit with it. Like, in Breath of the Wild, when you start, it seems like you're dying all the time. You kind of get your gear, you get equipped, you get ready... And then once you once you kind of settle yourself and find out what works, you don't really have that much of a challenge in the game. Everything's fairly easy. And I I felt kind of the same way in the original Legend of Zelda, whereas once I had collected all the items that I needed to get, the upgrades and stuff, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I still did die, but uh, it definitely seemed to be a lot more manageable, where as the first, I would say, half an hour of that game, I died. Oh my god. I died all the time. I think uh, it has a lot to do with the, the enemy placements too. Like in the in the area right around the starting screen, you run into basically a lot of Octoroks, who I think are some of the most bare bones overworld enemies. I like they'll give you trouble the first time you encounter one, then you basically get their 
patterns down a little bit and they don't give you too much trouble. But then as you pull further and further away from the start screen, you'll you'll encounter rooms that are like screens that might have six, seven tech tights on them or a bunch of P-hats. And then you go all the way to the west part of the world, which is the furthest away. And then you encounter Lynels. And I think they do a good job of like as the further you get away from your comfort zone, basically from the start screen, that's where the challenges of the overworld really are. Uh, one of the enemies that just really always seemed to, to give me trouble was the Zola, which is, it basically looks like a modern, like 16 bit Zora for any of those that don't know. Um, and he just, he's shooting his fireballs at you. You can't really hit him because he's, he's, you know, hanging out in the water and it just seemed like that guy would always just zap me while I was trying to do something else. But I'm I'm glad that you brought up the the Lionels actually because I wrote that down, and you guys are probably going to dump all over me for this. I forgot that they were in this game. Oh no! <laughs> so when I saw it, I was st- I was like, oh my god, it's a Lionel. That, that looks different than Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that that was like I mean that was like the big exciting thing about Breath of the Wild is I I mean obviously Lionels are in games past. Legend of Zelda, but it was like they were one of the not there's a there's a small roster of classic enemies who we have not seen beyond that game or in 3D. And it was like, wow, you know, they finally brought this classic Zelda enemy into 3D. Right. But if you haven't played in a while, I guess I, I could see how you could forget, though. Shame on you. Yeah. And they were they you were know, I got nothing. <laughs> and they were common throughout this game. They're all over the place. That whole real like north and northwest side of the of the world was just littered with these guys and breath of the wild did really capture how intimidating and scary they are not just in you know in legend of zelda it's like that they just do so much damage so it was cool to see that actually brought into a 3d and it's like well we'll make them look as scary as they are they they look they don't look i don't think very they, they look kind of colorful and I wouldn't say friendly, but the, I don't think they look intimidating. The Legend of Zelda it has more to do with like, right. I mean, if you look at their A Link to the Past counterparts, those those guys look scary. And mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, the Oracle of Ages and Seasons variants of them. But once you take your first hit from one, it's it's like, OK, I'm not going to mess with these guys at all. Yeah, I think that's it. They don't they don't look scary, but the fact that they hit so hard makes them frightening. And they they have more of an intimidation factor in a way than than Breath of the Wild because you go to a screen they're on and you're like, I'm just not gonna go this way right now. Whereas Breath of the Wild, you're just like, I'm I'm just gonna run, circle around this. I'm running wild. as fast as I can. Yeah, you can escape or get by a little bit better. Uh, it, it's very frightening too because if you follow the Zelda dungeon walkthrough, you encounter a blue Lionel like almost right away. Yeah, I would say like within your first ten minutes of playing, the one that protects um, the white sword at the like sort yeah. of the north end, and that's the only Lionel that's not on Death Mountain. That's not, or at least not the northwest part of the world. And it's like I like that they put that Lionel there, in particular because there there's not much room to maneuver on that particular screen too, because it's it's water based. Yeah, no. There's a river Zora. I still get intimidated by him, because you, you know usually the way I go for it, it's like maybe I've done one dungeon. So, you know, I could die real quick from him still. So 
He freaks me out. It's pretty much the equivalent of being naked Link in Breath of the Wild, going <laughs> yeah. up and seeing this blue Lionel guarding this sword, and you're just like, oh my god, I hope I can sneak past this guy. Luckily, I did. But man, I I was kind of shaking in my boots when I saw him. I wasn't expecting to run into him until probably near the end of the game. So I think it's a perfect placement for there to be one Lionel right there. Unlike some of the other screens later on where there's like six, seven of them on the same <laughs> screen. It, yeah. It's like you want you really want that upgraded sword. You, you got to pass the cool, test. It's like an instance of like a like sort of a storytelling element that's like not explicitly story, you know, as there's this one blue Lionel guarding uh, the white sword. I, I think that's pretty cool. So that's memorable. It, it felt like foreshadowing, I think. Yeah. Kind of like, this is what you're going to be up against. Like, And it, it, since, maybe it was just because, like, I got it so early into my playthrough, but it seemed to me as just like, here's one, you better be ready for a whole lot more uh, down the line. Oh, sure, yeah. So, yeah, I, I was pretty pumped to see these guys. I'm going to tell you who I was not pumped to see, though, and that was Patra. I think I'm saying that right, Patra. Mm. He is a.k.a the evil eye monster that has eyes spinning around him and you can't hit the guy until every single eyeball is dead and he's absolutely awful i completely forgot about this guy he probably he was probably the cause of my demise uh, several times over in some of the latter dungeons well patra what i love about patra and this is something i think that zelda games have lost a little bit in recent times but not only Patra, but there's also Landmolas, who those enemies are completely unique to the final dungeon. And I love in Zelda games, and this was, they always did this in the early games, where there's sort of like, it's like the ace in the hole a little bit, where they save some of the strongest, most powerful enemies, and they're exclusively in that final dungeon. I think it makes that dungeon stand out a little bit and makes it more special and makes it more challenging too. Yeah, especially after you've seen like some of the bosses used as like just common enemies, which is cool, but then it's cool that you like get a common enemy that's like it, it's like a boss almost, but you've never seen it before. It's more difficult than a boss actually. Like the imagine if I, I agree. It, yeah, I, I'm with Andy on this one. Imagine if they had Patra as the dungeon boss of level 3 instead of uh, Manhandla or something. Ugh. It would be incredibly challenging, I think. <laughs> yeah, it'd be... Yeah, it's a nightmare. So, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm not always the biggest fan of, of bosses coming back in uh, in later dungeons or anything like that. Um, but I... I, I did. I'm kind of with Moss on this. I appreciate the fact that this enemy shows up rather late, and you you kind of think that you've got it all figured out by this point. You know, you're you're seeing more powerful variations of the same enemies, but the, you know how to defeat them. And then you see this guy, and it's like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> so that guy, he he really stuck out to me, and he also stuck out to me because uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. We haven't seen him since this game in any form, really. Uh, no, though Petra, kind of. It was a boss in. Uh... He's he's a boss in Oracle of Ages. It's not. I, is it called Patra? I don't think it's officially. It, it it's, it's Patra. basically it's Patra. Patra. Use the switch hook and yeah. It's a little bit more fun in that game actually because you have the switch hook element, but. Yeah. They've yeah. I mean, to a, that was to a lesser. That ex- was kind of a variation of uh, 
what's his name in A Link to the Past? Yeah, Argus in A Link to the Past and Wart in Majora's Mask. They've used that concept of a large eye surrounded by smaller eyes. But they should bring the uh, the, back. Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be a Marco moment. I think that'd be a good moment. One thing that uh, that struck me speaking about bosses that I also didn't really remember is that they don't have boss music in this game. It's just the temple music. Well, the soundtrack yeah, I, of this game I consists. Never, of, I never really noticed that before. I think the soundtrack consists of like nine songs. Yeah, something like that. Uh, actually, when you beat the game. I was listening to the final the final song or whatever. It sounds more like a Mario song, I thought, than a Zelda song. I wrote that down too, and just kind of like some of my takeaways from playing this game is What's like I, I think little... that the music I, I think that the music and a lot really a lot of things wasn't really defined until a link to the past. But uh I mean, you get the iconic themes and stuff. It's it's impossible not to be humming the Legend of Zelda theme after you're done playing it. It's almost like that that end theme, and it's also like the same melody as when you when you die. It mm-hmm. it kind of is like games over, like curtains come up, like like a little like jazzy standard they're playing at the end because it's like it's swung a little bit, you know. It's it's got like yeah, it's like more of a Mario vibe, but just more of a fun, not fantasy vibe. But I can I kind of like how it works in the game, like. You know, thanks for coming. Here's a, here's a little tune. <laughs> so I guess before we move on, those like those were some of my takeaways from playing this game. What do you guys when you think of Legend of Zelda for NES? What is your what is your kind of main takeaways, your main points when you think of that game? I think the openness and the fact that you can do things in almost any order, and everybody who plays that game without a guide, I should say has a totally unique experience depending on what they do and in particular what they find. So if like you can go, you can just stumble into dungeon five at the very beginning of the game. If you're just searching and, or sort of like how you stumbled into dungeon three and totally ill prepared for it. And then like I, you know, I hear I was too, I was a little too young for this, but I always hear those stories of, of, you know, people talking to each other and they like they find secrets. It sort of defined that late '80s Nintendo like aspect of oh yeah, if you put a bomb here and like like I, I hear stories of people going around and bombing every single part of every single wall just to find that one secret. And it it, it was like making like finding secrets was like such a big deal back then because there was no you know at the time it, it came out that there was no you know either had Nintendo power or you were on your own or relying on your, your friends. Yeah. My, my impressions of it are like, I I feel like for Zelda games following that to a certain point that they, they kept like iterating on Zelda, you know, improving it like a link to the past, you know, is a much more, you know, realized version of this game. But Mm-hmm. As each game's gone on, and for the most part, the series I think has gotten better in some ways. Like each time a new game has come out, I think we like there's something that gets lost a little bit. I'm not saying it's you know straight progression down. Like I said, it's gotten better for the most part. But I think even when we went to a link to the past, to Ocarina of Time, and onward, 
like that open aspect of that game is lost a little bit. So while there are aspects of it that don't hold up, I like now that I know the game, like that I can do all these things in whatever order. And like really the only thing stopping me in a lot of cases is like my ability to defeat a Lionel or something like that. And so that was cool. That was cool that they like tried to bring some of that back in Breath of the Wild. I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, actually. I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but let's just talk about it now. I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this or not, but like one of the the sticking points that that I had after this game is I I, I kind of came away and I was like, this doesn't feel like a Zelda game proper because I think that like A Link to the Past really kind of laid down the foundation for what a Zelda game was going to be. Like you'd go to the dungeon, you'd get that item, it'd help you defeat that boss, you'd progress more with the help of said item, etc., etc. And, and then each game kind of takes that concept and uses it a bit more and and going back and playing the original Zelda just kind of like opened my eyes a little bit as to how much of a departure some of the later games were from what NES Zelda brought to the table um it, it kind of like it, it sticks out in a way that I feel like Breath of the Wild also sticks out uh and that it feels very un-Zelda like which is strange because it's the first Zelda like, like am I am I crazy here what do you guys think well I think it laid a lot of the foundation for some of the later games I like I mean just little aspects like you were just talking about, oh, you find an item and then, or you get an item in a, like the in level five, you can't reach level five until you have the raft. And oh, where do you get the the raft in level four, or three and four? Sorry, but you know, I mean, you get you get the item that is needed to allow you to progress. And I mean, you've seen that same thing in 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 some of the future Zelda games. Uh, obviously, I think the graphical limitations, and and even just like the in-game mechanic limitations sort of restricted them a little bit. But I think some of the early concepts of A a Link to the Past are clearly rooted in The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, it is interesting you mentioned items because it is a case of like they took those ideas like, oh, the raft and they, you know, they expanded upon that in A Link to the Past. But then there's also a ton of dungeons where the item is completely unnecessary to like beating the game at all. So mm-hmm, yeah. so that that I totally can see how with the items that it doesn't fully feel fleshed out in this and how it can kind of feel foreign to the rest of the series. There were a lot of items too that were just like upgrades too. It's a very limited arsenal of weapons. I mean you get a boomerang in the first dungeon and then in the second dungeon you get the magical boomerang like already. You know, it, it's like clearly Twilight Princess learned from that. You know, let's get let's get one item and immediately the upgrade. <laughs> GameCube Zelda immediately upgrade the item one dungeon later. But you know there was uh, um, similar things like you used a good word earlier, Goo. I, I think uh, a link to the past maybe realized what the original Legend Zelda was maybe trying to do. I think that's a really good way to put it. I th- I think one big key feature that maybe makes it feel like a bit disconnected from the rest of the series too is there's not actually really puzzles in the game there's there's like secrets if that makes sense like you know burning this bush or 
you know, walking into the waterfall or stuff like that. That that I guess that's a puzzle because someone like maybe gives you a riddle about it or something like that. But for the most part, it's like the dungeons. You're just kind of dungeon crawling, I guess. You know, it's going basically going room. into the room, take out the enemies, or use what item you have in, in a very limited capacity, like the torch to light a room, for example. There, there's not really yeah. the traditional Zelda-esque puzzles, no. Or like, defeat all the enemies and push a block is, like, the most common puzzle. And then it is, it is like, the item things, where there's a couple actual puzzles in it where, you know, you have to, like, you know, bomb a wall to go into the eye of whatever dungeon that is. Um, that, you know, they're like, okay, that's a good idea. Let's, you know, I assume they probably were like, let's expand upon that. All right, let's ask let's ask the million dollar question here, guys. Has this game aged gracefully? Can a player pick this game up today? He's new to the Legend of Zelda, play this game and enjoy it. I think there's so many variables depending on on the person you're talking to. If it's a child, no. This is not the game to give to them. This is not the introduction to the series in in my opinion at least. It's too uh I think there's just much better alternatives for the Zelda series. Now, if it's somebody who's a long-time video game player, but the Zelda series has kind of like eluded them, yeah, I think I think it it it's a game that they could pick up and play and enjoy. But I think it's a very limited type of person that this game could be a good experience for as a first Zelda game. Yeah, I think. I actually think it does in a way, but there is like no way it really does without a guide, basically. Like, because when you're lost in that game or don't you know you don't know where to go, there's not something like uh, in a link to the past. You have the fortune teller, so no matter you know where you are in the game, you can at least get some sort of hint forward, or you have marked on your map where the dungeons are. Where in this, you know even to get some of the most necessary items, it can be really tricky. But, you know, a lot of games have that built in now, like where they, you know, they guide you. So, I don't think supplementing it with a walkthrough on ZeldaDungeon.net is necessarily, like, that bad of a mark against the game. As long as what you... Was, what was that website that walkthrough was available at? ZeldaDungeon.net. There's there's That's a Zelda great .net, folks. There's a great YouTube uh, playlist of a Zelda walkthrough that you could use too. Oh wow! But uh, you know, yeah. So I don't think, you know, <laughs> I think if you know what you're getting into a little bit, and you know, if you really don't want to just grind it out, you you have a walkthrough like you did. Like you had a great experience with it, right? I did. Yeah, yeah, I really did. Yeah. So I say it it does, in a way, like Moss said, for certain people in certain circumstances. Yeah, you know what? I actually, I think I would have said no before I did this playthrough of it um, because it is very difficult to pick up and enjoy the game. But I think, uh, like, once you overcome that first little bit of disorientation and you kind of get those items and you're, you're not dying every couple of seconds, like I became more confident exploring the overworld and, and kind of deviating from the strict path that the, the, the guide laid out for me. So I think it's really a matter of like, once you get 
past that point, it becomes a lot more accessible. Um, there's definitely not like, like there's definitely things about it that, that don't appeal to me. Like you, you can't really see where you are on the map very well. Um, it's, it's easy to get lost. There isn't, there isn't somewhere in telling you where to go. Although I was actually surprised at how often the old man showed up in that game. I didn't think he showed up as often as he did. Oh yeah. He's practically uh, a companion. (laughs) Yeah. He, well, he really is like talking about companions before Navi. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like I, I would say, I, I think I garnered a, a new respect for this game and everything that it that it laid out and tried to do. And I mean, when you consider how old the game is and all the limitations that it had back, you know, almost thirty five years ago, it 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 really is impressive. I, so I think I would say yes, it would be. I mean, I, I would definitely side with Moss. You, I would never give this to someone that's never played Zelda. I would probably i would probably never give this to you know someone i would probably never give this to a non-hardcore gamer to play right now today is is basically how i would think about it but you know my experience is really good i think it holds up yeah it's hard it's hard for me to say it wouldn't hold up when if i were asked you know which game if i was given the choice between like playing that or twilight princess like just at any any given moment um i would much rather just sit and play that you know to chill and relax and play a game because i can just because it doesn't have the guide you know on my in my future playthroughs i don't really need it N- not that that's necessarily a plus of the game but you know i can just immediately get into the action of the game so that's that's always one thing that holds up for me is that you are just dropped in the world and you're ready to go Tell me about uh, tell me about speedrunning this game. I know you mentioned that earlier, and that you played it at the marathon this year. To me, that's just like a foreign concept. If you're not if you're not looking at the guide while you're actually you know playing this game, like what do you do? You go like the the normal route, like dungeon one through eight, um, or do you do any special tricks? And, and like, how long did it take you to learn this? I mean, for me. The thing about speedrunning Legend of Zelda is there's so many different ways to do it. There's like there's different tracks and like how you like how you want to complete the game and then there's different like competitions. So like what the the speedrun that I do is called TDO or traditional dungeon order. So that it requires you to go dungeon 1 2 3 4 5, you know, so on and so forth. And I like and it's also glitchless cuz there's a lot of glitches in this game allows you just to immediately scroll from screen to screen without walking across or being able to walk through blocks without having to like defeat the enemies on the room so there's a lot of like glitches that are involved with like the speed running i don't really like any of that so that's why i chose to do like the glitchless category it's more like how the game is originally intended and what i really enjoy about speed running this game more than some of the more complicated newer Zelda games is it's really straightforward. There's not that much in terms of like routing or, uh, you know, doing things out of order or doing things like, or, 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 or trying to master certain tricks that are really hard. It's really just getting more and more comfortable with the combat that will like cause you to improve your time, making sure you can survive 
and uh, it's it's I guess it's more like you can like me just playing the game five six seven times when I started running it. I could feel myself getting better at the combat, and that and that's really what the speed run of this mm-hmm. game is. It it probably helped for you too because you had you've like done the guide and everything, so you have a bit more of like memory of mm-hmm. the layouts and everything in your head. Oh yeah, not coming in blind. It's, it's sort of like it's part of speedrunning this game is just like starting to realize what the enemy movements are. When is a dark knight gonna turn and start? like chasing after you when he's going to walk and turn and walk away you get a feel for it and you want to hit him on an angle rather than try to face him you know it's just like little things that after just getting experience after playing the game over and over and over it uh it's 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 just a lot of trial and error i guess it's not one of those things where like another game like like take a game like link's awakening or even ocarina where you can literally just watch the world record runner of a game and then you try to replicate it and you'll immediately get significantly better if you are just like an amateur at the legend of zelda and you watch the world record run and try to emulate that you're gonna die immediately because there's no way you can do that (laughs) and it's yeah well the world record run too it's like a totally different order of dungeons too right yeah yeah there yeah but there's like there's different uh, like I said earlier, it's different categories, there's all sorts of categories. Yeah, that's actually what makes this game hold up for me in a different way. Is that then like the pl- because once you get to a certain point, it's taking you less than an hour. Or f- for me, because I I was doing less of a speed run, more of a beat it in a timely matter. It took me like an hour and a half. But you get to this point where you know you're looking at all the things you need to get and like thinking about what order you can get them. And you're kind of, you're kind of just like, do I go to dungeon two first or should I just go to dungeon one first? And, you know, should I get the white sword before this dungeon or after this dungeon? So it becomes like its own game in itself where, you know, you're planning out a little route, but it's not like overcomplicated. Like Moss was saying, it's just, you know, picking up these couple items, couple power ups from like really memorable landmarks too. So, it's not that hard to actually memorize where you need to go. It's, like you said, the combat. But it, uh, As I get f- older, I also appreciate games that don't take me, like, 100 hours to beat. And I think that's another thing that I really enjoyed about Zelda. It, it took me probably, I don't know, maybe maybe like 10 hours to beat it. Maybe, maybe less. I, I feel confident if I were to pick it up again... Uh, I'd, I'd shave some time significantly off like that. So I think a lot of it, you're you're right. Like you learn, you learn about enemies kind of as you go, and you can, like you kind of just get that confidence in your step. It felt like to me as I got you know more and more stuff. Yeah, that's why playing it this last year and like practicing it over and over actually changed my perspective of it since like 2010. Because in 2010, it was like I probably beat it in like 15 hours and you know a lot of deaths. And consult like consulting the walkthrough back and forth, and you know, getting stuck on specific rooms where you know this now I can just sit down and I can beat it, you know, limited problems, and it's kind of more relaxing than anything. Uh, I still had problems, maybe not like ninety nine problems, maybe like fifty problems. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't say limited, but uh, I, yeah, I'm with you. Well, you'd even uh, have those if you played it again. 
I yeah, I'm I'm sure I would. Uh, and it'll probably be. I don't know when I'm gonna play this game again next. Maybe if I play it at the marathon, I'll uh, I'll boot it up and we'll give it another go. Oh yeah. All right, freestyle me this. Taylor Wells, who's off on assignment somewhere in the world right now, don't know where he is, but he's doing good work. Pose this question to me in anticipation for this show. This game, the original Zelda and Breath of the Wild, obviously share kind of uh, like a kindred connection. He asks, is a Breath of the Wild style remake of this game something that you would be interested in seeing? So let's just, let's take the the argument of like, oh, I don't want them remaking Zelda's, you know, that takes away from newer games. Let's just take that out. Let's also take out the fact that you maybe you don't add in a bunch of extra content like Breath of the Wild, but just like aesthetically, control-wise, conceptually-wise, would that be something that you would be like into seeing? Or, or is this game kind of like sacred, you don't want it, you know, tinkered with? Well, I kind of view Breath of the Wild in a way, I kind of view it as a remake of The Legend of Zelda, actually. I mean, it's like, I can't imagine a 3D world... Zelda game that's as empty and simplistic as The Legend of Zelda. Like so I don't think that's plausible. So they they're going to have to add a little little more meat to it. And I kind of feel that sort of is what Breath of the Wild is where 90% of the time you're just wandering and exploring the world. Sure there's towns and there's the few divine beasts, but the bulk of the game is just navigating the overworld, which is also what The Legend of Zelda really is. So I kind of like I feel that Breath of the Wild is already that reimagination of what the Legend of Zelda is, especially considering you can virtually go to anywhere in the world once you get off the greatest plateau. Yeah. I uh yeah, I'm kind of in the same camp, but I do think like, you know, everyone's kind of speculating or like dream casting what the next the next uh, follow-up to Breath of the Wild could be. And I do, I do think there's, you know, a couple of, um, like, ideas or, like, lessons they could take from this original game now that they're going back to that, you know, more open style. And, you know, you were talking about the navigation. In the original one, the original Zelda, for the most part, you can almost always go anywhere on the map but there's an element of should you be here you know is it too tough you know can i really be here realistically i think the follow up to breath of the wild maybe they could have a more you know focused world and the thing with breath of the wild is they kind of took away navigation as a puzzle in zelda to do this open world but i think they could still have some of the like more difficult like some of the areas just be totally difficult like the original Legend of Zelda more so than they did in this game so you still have an open world but there still is navigation is still a puzzle in this game like should i go to this mountain filled with lionels or not right now i th- i think you can have the open world but then still have a navigation as a puzzle i guess yeah, I, I, I'm kind of on Team Moss on this side. I, I think clearly, clearly, Breath of the Wild drew inspiration from Zelda. And again, I didn't really appreciate how much 
<laughs> it drew from Zelda 1 until I went to replay it again. So I, I think that in a way it's it's a spiritual sequel to the very first game. And I know that maybe it does make sense because it's in the same series, but it, it's it's almost like a reimagining, I think, of this game. And Definitely. Because, I mean, you, you wouldn't have this game exist... Like you say, in its modern state, the game wouldn't couldn't be a 3D game because there's not really much to it. It's obviously a small world. So, like, you, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I, I was going to say, I feel like Breath of the Wild kind of already was that uh, reimagining remake to, to the original Legend of Zelda. I think a more interesting question might be, should they remake Adventure of Link? But that's a whole other episode. Yes. So I think that would be pretty cool. That's, that's next on my NES... <laughs> playthrough actually <laughs> so we're gonna see how that goes we might have spoiler we might have an adventure of link uh episode coming up here pretty quick so i i do have one final thought too about about uh, the legend of zelda as well and that's the fact that after you complete the game you're presented with a second quest and at the time you know this was a new idea and even i know we've had like hero mode and some Zelda games have have offered a second quest. This one, I think, took it to a whole new limit, though, because the dungeons are, are some of them are in different locations, and some of these are. This is the definition of cryptic, trying to find all of these dungeons, because some of them you will never find unless you had a guide. Like some of them, you have to place a bomb on top of a river to blow up a hole into Death Mountain. Like it's stupid. Like nobody's nobody's using the whistle on the screen. You know stuff like that. That that is the one that I was immediately thinking of when you start talking about that, using the whistle by by the the lake. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, that that that's probably the one kind of cryptic, but that pales in comparison to some of the crypticness of of the it's second so quest. Ridiculous in the second quest, yeah. And the dungeons themselves are super challenging, and I love that they added some new. There's some new enemies that are only in the second quest that are not in the. Or more like upgrades of some of the enemies. You got Stalfos that throw swords at you. You got the red and blue bubbles which prevent you from swinging your sword. And like I mean, altogether swinging your sword. Like I think it's if you hit a red bubble, you can never use your sword again until you find a blue bubble and then hit him. So it's like <laughs> it. It was just so unique, and uh, I wish they actually did more of that in more modern Zelda games. More so than just, like, Master Mode. I mean, like, Master Quest on Ocarina of Time was kind of like that. And I wish they did more of that. Do you have any interest in going through and playing the second quest, Andy? Um, I, I think if I were to, let's say, play this game again in six months, I'd play the second quest. Right now, no. I'm more interested in playing Adventure of Link because it's also been... A long time since I played that. I played them both back to back in a similar fashion to what I'm doing right now, and that was probably when I was like twelve or thirteen or something. Not sure I even actually finished Adventure of Link. I think I got pretty far, but my my memories of it uh, aren't up to speed. So I'm looking forward to playing that again before I play the second quest. I I hope that the same kind of thing happens where you're like, oh yeah, this is a this is a great game because that's what happened to me when I played Zelda two. All the way I hope through. It does too. All right. Before we wrap it up, I've got some rapid fire questions for you guys. Are you ready? Yes. Goo is right. ready as well. Uh, Legend of Zelda ready. games in general. 
do you like a more structured dungeon order? So an Ocarina of Time approach where you got to do this one, then this one, then this one. Or are you more of a fan of Legend of Zelda's open concept? Well, one, I reject the premise of that because Ocarina of Time, especially in the adult portion, does have a lot of variants of what you need to do. I like the Ocarina of Time method where they give you a order of a suggested order, but it allows you to deviate from it. Yeah. Is there a link, uh, a link to the past is kind of similar yes, too, right? Yes, Link to the Past is the, the pinnacle of that, where they have them numbered 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, but there's so many different orders you can complete them in. Yeah, but yeah, like similar to Ocarina, you have to do the three original, or, you know, not child portion, light world ones before the rest. That's, I, I do like, I do like that. Or I, I like that and uh, the original Legend of Zelda is pretty good too, where it's... Enemy that killed you guys most in this game. Hmm. Blue Wizrobes. Yeah, or Blue Dark Nuts. Oh, fun fun fact nuts about that, I once attempted a three heart run of this game. A minimalist run too, so I got no upgrades. And I died 54 times in a row in one room that had the three blue wizrobes, two orange wizrobes, two like likes, and a bubble. It was hilarious. That that sounds hilarious, but also <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, is the raft the most underrated item ever in Legend of Zelda? It's it's pretty awesome in that game. It it is kind of a bummer that that's one of the things that they're sort of reintroduced in Breath of the Wild. Well, sort of, but it didn't quite live up. Sort to of, it. kinda. It it's yeah. not as fun. Not not at all. No, the raft is garbage. You use it twice in the whole game. It's stupid. Much rather would have another item. An underrated item would be like the magical wand or magical rod. Oh. I like that. I love that item. You just get it so late in the game, and especially once you get the magic book to upgrade it, it's so late in the game and it's optional that uh, I wish that was something you could get earlier. There's just something so fantastic about finding a raft. <laughs> and you're carrying it around. You got a boat. Oh, <laughs> you're going to love it in Zelda 2 because he sings a little tune every time you ride the raft. Link's oh, got a yes. sea shanty. Every time you ride the raft. <laughs> Last question. What is your favorite character design for Link and why is it the little chubby kid from Zelda 1 that might be it yeah I'm torn between that or just <laughs> like the the kind of era of like a Link to the Past like Zelda 2 has it Link's Awakening I like that classic era I'm always more prone to those but I do like the little chubby cartoon Link in, in the manual too I love the official artwork that guy's it's, great it's, oh god it's ridiculous but I like the simplicity, simplicity it's, it's, it of is so good. not just the Legend of Zelda, but also like the Link's Awakening, Oracle of Ages, Oracle Seasons Link. Those are some of my favorite, the sprite-based Links. Moss, this is a question specifically for you, and it's the last one. Uh, a couple months ago, I stumbled across some limited edition NES Zelda figurines that depicted a couple different enemies from the game and stuff like that. Did you ever uh, end up acquiring those in any that fashion? That is one of the... M- few items that I really want but has forever eluded my Zelda collection. I love them. Oh man. They I I think they're both gone now. There's only the two. It's a I should have picked them it's up. It's a when set I saw of them. five. I will get them eventually. 
Why I don't have them now, I have no idea. But, yeah. Well, there you go. That's going to do it for, for this episode. Uh, thank you both for joining me. This was, this was a great crossover. Absolutely. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. It was good. Maybe we might have to do it again when we have... Eventually, somewhere down the line, we're going to have an episode like this that's dedicated to A Link to the Past. I know that you guys are both big fans of that game. Oh, yeah. We might have to have another Hyrule Compendium slash Champions Cast crossover for that. It feels right. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week on the Champions Cast. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Head over to iTunes, Podbean, subscribe, like, comment, all that good stuff. You can find me at Twitter, at Spateri316. You can find Gooey at GooeyFame. Mossy's at Mossy's the Great. Uh, that's going to do it for us for this week, and we are out of here. We'll see you next week, and thanks for listening, guys. Adios.